It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome back into the dorm room for this Thursday episode of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino, and this is the Shout Podcast it's brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Right now, if you head to their weekly ad, uh, you can get a mega, the mega meat sale is going on. That means buy one, get one free mix and match of equal or lesser value. You can get the 85% lean ground beef. You can get the Oscar Mayer sliced bacon. How about the 99% fat-free boneless chicken, boneless pork chop, extra large uncooked, easy peel shrimp, or the boneless top round steak, whatever you want. The mega meat sale is going on right now, and we are cooking in the text line, uh, 716-528. That's uh, 6727. That's 716-528-6727. Get, become a Shout Buffalo Bills insider, Ryan. Yeah, and Matt, you mentioned cooking and me, and you know what a great transition. Monday, August seventh, join us at Dorado and Rochester Bills Mafia. Wing Nuts is coming out. They're going to bring some of their outstanding wings uh, to Rochester for the Bills Mafia to try out. You can get some great wings, some great Mex- Mexican food from Dorado. Beers, hang out with us before and after the pod as well. We can't wait. All right, before we get to Kyer Elam, who is obviously the main attraction of this episode, a lot of people asking about Spencer Brown. So let's get into that really briefly here. Joe Marino put out a tweet. I didn't actually see it. Uh, Spencer Brown going off the field. Um, Joe wondered if maybe he was in a little bit of pain, didn't grab his helmet. Um, A little bit later, Alex Brasky saw him flying around on his scooter uh, on the campus. So I think he's probably okay but this is something that we're going to have to track over the course of the next 24 hours all the way up until the practice tomorrow because the bills don't put out injury reports and usually when we've asked about guys over the last couple of days we haven't really gotten those updates until there's been an official injury report so it's been, it'll be asked we'll, we'll wait to hear anything but um I, I think spencer brown at this point i don't think i'm overly concerned i, I think if there was uh, something serious i don't know if he would have been flying around on the scooter yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. Kind of a wait and see mode, not ideal to see, you know, him kind of struggling at the end of the practice as Marino reported, but to have him on his scooter post practice, not to have him 
be off with the trainer somewhere. I think that's definitely an encouraging sign, Matt. All right. So a lot to get to on Kyer Elam's day and listen, a little bit of a, um, note here an asterisk like this was a practice like nobody is winning a job based solely on a practice performance but if you want to take a practice performance and put it under a microscope I, I think you'd have a hard time poking many holes in Kyrie Elam's day today he was really up for the challenge in so many different areas of the practice and John Butler mentioned it a couple of days ago when we talked to him he has been really good in these one-on-one -on -one situations because it allows him to do what he does best, get up in a, a receiver's face, get physical, press at the line. But what we're also starting to see, Ryan, is like as things transition to the team drills, they're putting him in that spot as well. And John Butler said this a couple of days ago. It's like it's on the coaching staff to find the best way to utilize his skill set. You see his coverage ability every day when he gets to work you know, in close quarters against wide receivers. There was a pass breakup in one-on-ones today by Elam. There was a exceptional, I thought, the rep of one-on-ones when um, he was up against Deontay Hardy. It was an excellent rep. Deontay Hardy just couldn't get enough space, wasn't able to make a play on the ball. And then you transition into team drills, and I thought he had a couple reps. One in maybe more impressive than the interception. The interception was big and we'll get to that in a second was a rep. I believe he was working against Diggs. Yes. He was working against Diggs. on the other side. It was Dane Jackson working against Khalil Shakir. Um, however, that ended up working out and Josh Allen wanted to throw to Stefan Diggs right from the jump, but Elam's coverage was so good that it forced him to go to his next spot. And there was Kai uh, Khalil Shakir kind of breaking free at the next level, but I thought Dane Jackson actually made him a nice play on the ball. It was a little bit too far, but Allen was kind of looking to digs. He couldn't make that um, play, and so he went to the other uh, other side. A really good day for Kyir Elam, who ends up getting an interception at the end, and Josh Allen joked after practice. He thought the refs maybe could have called a flag there, maybe a little bit too physical, but again, he got the, he got the pick and, and no interception. And, and that's big in this competition for cornerback, too, to show up in those one-on-ones against Stefan Diggs and to show that closing speed against a Deontay Hardy and uh, be able to be aggressive but also be able to kind of close ground if need be. Those are the skills that he brings to this team. And, you know, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the quote from Butler about how it's up to the team to figure out a way to utilize him. How many times have Bills fans been pulling their hair out over the last year with, you know, Kyrie Elam struggling to get on the field? They trade for Naheem Hines at the deadline, and then they barely utilize him on offense. James Cook was solid as a rookie, but they didn't give him as many uh, receiving options or opportunities as I think some fans thought. So it, it's a breath of fresh air to hear a coach say it's up to us to put him in these advantageous situations where he can show his skill set, where he can be the, the type of corner where we liked him enough to take him in round one. And, you know, to, to have a day like this right before the stadium practice, that's going to uh, obviously be fresh in the coaches' minds here over these next few weeks as they start to not only figure out the 53-man roster, but obviously the, some of these starting jobs. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting on a day, like we've, we've been tracking this competition, and it's hard to kind of figure out where they're putting guys and why they're putting guys in certain spots. But I do think there's kind of, it's interesting that they put him today because of what could be waiting for us at first team tomorrow. Tyrell Dodson going yesterday or on uh, two days ago broke up the pattern at middle linebacker. So then Terrell, Terrell Bernard went today. 
So now that lines up, actually, if they remain with those three guys in the competition, Balen Specter to be in the stadium tomorrow, which I think lines up with also what Sean McDermott was talking about before the practice is like putting guys in certain situations, like, you know, in front of the fans and, you know, in preseason games coming up to see how they handle things. And we could be lining up for a Christian Benford uh, first team reps tomorrow and also maybe Balen Specter as well. Yeah, and with Spectre, that's going to be really interesting. And Matt, in your opinion, if Spectre is not out there, does that probably eliminate him from the, the race, considering he was kind of skipped over the last go around? Uh, or is it still too early? Because I, I saw the face you just made, so maybe it's still too early in that uh, regard. But, you know, Spectre, I'm hoping he gets that opportunity tomorrow because of the situation. Like you said, a full stadium. The, the Bills Mafia shows out for the return of the blue and red scrimmage, so... I think the atmosphere would be great. It'd be good to see what he could do flying around against that first team offense. Can he make some plays for the defensive side of the ball? And then Benford too. Benford, you know, started out of the gate for this team last year due to his experience in his own scheme. It'd be nice to see him get that opportunity in front of a, a packed crowd as well to, to show what he can do uh, against the Gabe Davises and the Stefan Diggs of this Bills offense. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about Spectre because I, I think that they could go to back to Dotson tomorrow and that just, you know, be wanting to put to, to see what their top defense looks like against their top offense in that situation. Again, getting some more tape on it. I really just think to me, the best path for Spectre is underwhelming play for from Dotson and Bernard. And, you know, we can kind of transition here a little bit and talk about Dawson Knox. RJ asked over on YouTube, did you guys see Dawson Knox left ankle being worked on by trainers at the end of practice? I noticed that when the players were running uh, at the end of the practice, I didn't. Um, but usually, you know, you, you got to be careful not to overreact to those little things. I mean, guys are getting dinged up every single moment. Josh even talked about like taking that hit um, at the end of, uh, practice and it was that's this is what I originally saw Ryan I thought it was the wind knocked out of him because he stayed down for a moment almost like to collect his breath and then it kind of looked like he was limping a little bit but he said he felt like he took a huge hit the next couple of days and so I think like a lot of times like if you feel like a little tweak in an ankle or knee or whatever you're going to get that work down you're going to get it taped uh, but we've seen guys that that's happened to come back I even saw at one point Khalil Shakir today it looked like he in one-on-ones kind of grab his calf for a moment, but he went on to play the rest of the practice. So you just got to be careful not to overreact too much. There's so much that happens in these practices from day to day that when we're, when they're closed that we don't see uh, the guys are kind of playing through it. I just think that's part of being in the NFL. Yeah. And again, like Matt said earlier with Spencer Brown, is it something that we'll monitor? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, also to his point and to his credit, it's something where, you know, if something gets dinged up, a, a trainer is going to look at it, might tape it up, might just be a conversation. Uh, don't read in too much into these things just yet. Um, and I want to stay on Dawson Knox because as our good buddy, AJ uh, Sabalski uh, in the comments points out, I saw him at camp today. Um, huge play from Dawson Knox uh, for a touchdown. And it was early in team drills where he found himself one-on-one -on -one coverage, mismatched city against Terrell Bernard, who, I mean, looked completely lost on the play covering Dawson Knox one-on-one -on -one down the field. And, you know, Knox, who is a, a high-level athlete for the position, but somebody that you need your middle linebacker to be out in space. Like, that matchup looks completely different if that's Tremaine Edmonds, right? Like, I mean, mm. he's able to kind of cover better. He's longer. He's bigger. I mean, it almost looked like a safety working against Dawson Knox. And that's kind of the problem with Bernard at his size as he kind of 
if he gets behind in a play and has to recover against a fast, bigger guy, he's going to run into some problems. So I thought, you know, for me, Bernard, it just, you know, we're going to be watching this over the course of the next couple of days. And does he maybe fall out of the rotation and maybe kind of move over and get some work at outside linebacker? John, um, Sean McDermott said that Dorian Williams has been working solely at outside linebacker. Is that something where if Bernard isn't looking up to the, you know, t- up to the test and maybe they go in a different direction or maybe move towards Dotson specifically, do they maybe move Bernard around and maybe give Dorian Williams a shot at, on the inside? Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility, or it could also bump Spectre up to that second team kind of permanently. Like you said, his best path is underwhelming play. Um, but I think the real winner of that would be Dodson of the the trio, the, the guy that has the most experience, the guy that has held his own to date in training camp. Uh, still some time left there, and in the preseason to obviously win or lose these jobs. But uh, one bad day at the office, you don't want to overthink it too much, but in a competition for a starting job, it really does matter. Uh, Kyle Gordon is a shout Buffalo bills insider. Uh, he said the text chat is a game changer. Absolute cheat code. Love it. Fellas. Keep it up and see you in South Florida for some fishing later this year. My friend, I- I'm not a big fisherman, so you have to show me the ropes on that. But if you want to become an insider, listen, this thing is really taking off. And I know a lot of people are wondering, all right, what is this going to look like after training camp? Because right now, I mean, it's it's the best season for this kind of thing. Ryan and I have big plans for this. You are going to get a seat inside the locker room with us. Every time we're in there, post-game, pre-game, uh, during the week, you're going you're gonna to drive the ship on not only uh, the coverage inside the building, but on the podcast as well. Just uh, text 716. 528-6727, and that gets you uh, signed up. You get a two-week free trial. Check it out at least. Ryan, where do you want to go next? Oh, that's a great question. You know, let's talk a little bit about some uh, under-the-radar wide receivers. That was on our to-do list here. Who are some guys that fighting for a roster spot or maybe a priority practice squad spot that uh, did a nice job today at practice, Matt? Yeah, so um, to me, it was a huge day for Andy Isabella, and uh, Tyrell Shavers, maybe even more so. Um, Isabella was getting some work on the second team, which means he's getting ticked up a little bit, which I think makes sense because I, I feel like he's kind of like that Deontay Hardy mold of receiver. And I think that, you know, there's not really that option outside of maybe Khalil Shakir, but he kind of gets moved on, moves all over the place. Um, Andy Isabella made a contested catch today where he got absolutely popped. Um, who was, I think it was Cam Lewis that was in coverage on him. Uh, yeah, right at the goal line. He makes the catch, takes the hit, ends up kind of falling into the end zone for the touchdown, um, made a sliding catch as well. And then really showed off some, some nice moves in the one-on-ones. And I think that's going to be huge for him. I think his best path to the roster is if he wows, uh, at the returner spots, uh, going into the season and maybe kind of can take that position that Naheem Hines was looking at. And maybe you can even look at that, like instead of going with five running backs, you go with four, including Reggie Gilliam uh, and the other three, Latavius Murray, Damon Harris, and James Cook. And then you go with seven wide receivers because you're you're treating Isabella kind of like um, Naheem Hines. Yeah, and listen, I see someone saying their their only path or their best path is to practice squad only. I, I think the top five are set in stone. I, I think that Shorter has a, a solid hold on number six as well. But like Matt just said in the situation, maybe seven in the case of Isabella is a return man. But even if Isabella is on the practice squad, 
It reminds me of the past few seasons, Matt, where they had a Tanner Gentry on the practice squad for many, many seasons. And that was when they were utilizing Cole Beasley a lot in the slot. And if something happened to Cole Beasley, at least they had someone with experience with Allen, someone that could play out of the slot, uh, waiting in the wings. And that's exactly what Isabella is in terms of like that Deontay Hardy skill set, the speed, uh, being able to play out of the slot, being able to be utilized as a return man. So always smart to have someone. Uh, you know, on your roster, on your practice squad that could get called up and, and kind of fill in a specific role if need be. In the case of Shavers, big target, tall target. Uh, we were looking for his uh, 40 time coming out last year. I know in high school it was actually a very impressive time. Uh, maybe he didn't test well last year, whatever the reason is. Sub 4-4, four, four, right, you said? Uh, in high school it was a four three eight. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, so he was highly recruited after that, but. Uh, either way, he's someone that's made some plays here and there, too, in one-on-ones. Uh, he's someone where he, he's been coached up a little bit by the veterans on this team. So, uh, again, not someone that we're necessarily expecting to play a role this season, but could be developed on that practice squad and in 2024 have a legitimate shot to compete for a roster spot with this team. Yeah, and Shavers for me, too, is you look back at his history – and this was a pretty uh, heralded guy coming out of mm-hmm. high school to your point. I was talking to Chris Trapasso on the sideline. And of course, draft guru, as soon as we start talking about him, he pulls up his scouting report and he's going deep dive on shavers on the sideline. He's like, he started at Alabama. So, I mean, there was yeah. some hype behind the player and, you know, kind of reminds me of like the modern version of Robert Foster, but I think with a little bit more skill set. like I think watching shavers, run routes in practice like he is way more developed in that as a technician than I think Foster ever was and probably even when he exited the league like it's it's still never really clicked for him but there was one play today a couple plays first of all I wrote down Shavers killed 47 which was Christian Benford in one-on-ones and he really did like just a slick move great footwork gets open makes a catch almost like Christian Benford had no chance on the play. And like, that is a stark contrast to what we saw from Elam in those one-on-ones, right? Like going up against the, the best receivers, you know, Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, and, and putting in, you know, Dante Hardy, putting in work in those one-on-ones. So, you know, that just a little note there, but the play I want to bring up the heaviest hitter of training camp so far has been Dean Marlowe. Um, he is just laying the boom over the middle. And there was one play, I want to say it was like 12, 14 yards, two shavers. I believe it was Matt Barkley in, uh, I don't have that written down, but either way, it was a really good throw, put on the mark, shavers makes the catch and takes a huge hit, hangs on to it, goes to the ground, catch, uh, moving forward. Uh, that's a really nice play for a young player that's trying to make some noise. And I, I don't necessarily know if there's a path to the roster, but man, if he has a really good summer, that's a priority practice squad guy that could be, you know, we always talk about it. Like the bills have been really healthy for the most part uh, at receiver. And even when they haven't been healthy within the case of Gabe Davis, he's pushed through and he's found a way to play. So I think you're, you're going to be watching for that. And if they can kind of land him back on the press squad, nice player to develop maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And players like that are so interesting to me, Matt, because if, if you don't see a path to their roster, do you play them a lot in the preseason? Because if you do, you're putting tape out there for other teams who could be looking for bottom of the roster guys. We've seen teams do this where they stash players and maybe they give them a few reps here and there. And 
Uh, fans think it's an automatic, well, this guy's gone, but it's, hey, no, we don't want other guys or other teams getting this tape on a player. Uh, we like him. We want to develop him. So that's also something to kind of monitor with some of these uh, UDFAs. He went undrafted, but if he shows out in the in the preseason, I mean, I'm going way back to like the Victor Cruz uh, of the New York Giants, where the Giants had to put him on their roster. They had no no other option because he would have been claimed by uh, just about every other team in the league. You have to play this game now. So if Shavers keeps doing well at training camp, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills kind of uh, manipulated their way to make sure that no other team really saw much film on him between now and roster cutdowns. Um, I want to get into a couple other things, but let's before we go any further, there's a couple more offensive things I want to get it to, but let's switch to defense for a moment and talk about Taylor Rapp, this slot nickel cornerback situation because i think it's really interesting over the last couple of days first of all they've they've kind of funneled in some guys with the first team so like the first set of reps you'll see the first team defense then some of the second team guys will get funneled in with them um and i think that's interesting to kind of watch but today in the first series you saw taylor rap come in at slot corner for a rep which is really interesting because i'm look i've taron johnson pulled up on my screen here and I'm looking at his snap counts over the last couple of years. And, mm. you know, game started 2020, 11, played in all 16, 15 starts in 21, played in all 16, played in 16 in 2022 and had 15 starts. We're talking about 800 plus snaps the last three years. The guy has been an Ironman. I mean, 600, 969 snaps last year. That is a career high for Taron Johnson. And I'm just wondering if – the addition of Taylor Rapp allows them, and then if Cam Lewis is on the roster, allows them to rotate a little bit more, let guys play um, to save Taron Johnson a little bit more. Not to say that he's necessarily been hampered by anything or that 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 rep count or that snap count has hindered him down the stretch, but it's one where like if you have the guys uh, that aren't on the field and you can maybe split the depth a little bit and like, the, the punishment that these guys take it's really interesting. And I also think working those guys in, in the slot also gives you the ability to play six DBs at some point, which I think if Sean McDermott really wants to, you know, throw the old script out and the consistent nickel package over and over again, they can really start to get creative with it. Yeah. And I like what Josh Allen said about Taylor Rapp after the practice, he used the term Rover, which in soccer is someone that's moving all around the field, doing a lot of different things. And uh, he, he's kind of like a movable chess piece on this defense where it's going to be fun to see how Sean McDermott utilizes him this year, because when they signed Taylor Rapp, it was obviously after Jordan Poyer had uh, re-signed with this team and you were pretty feeling pretty good about the one, two, obviously with Poyer and Hyde back in the fold. Uh, but Rapp, I don't think he's just going to be a reserve number three safety. I think they have a, a big role in mind for him. Now, when I say big role, it might be based on situations. It might be uh, being a, a blitzer in certain areas. It might be the three safety looks, whatever it may be. But there's a lot of talent, a lot of start, uh, a lot of starting reps for him um, with, during his time with the Rams. And I'm sure the Bills are going to utilize that to their full extent. Um. Sorry, uh, I want to go to Dane Jackson next and stay with the cornerbacks. A lot of good activity over on the the text line in the in the live comments here on YouTube. We appreciate you all. Thank you for watching. Hit that like button, subscribe as well. I do think Dane Jackson deserves you know a little bit higher placement than maybe I'm, I'm I've given him on this show. Like I thought he had a, a solid day today as well. Um, 
not as good as, as Elam. I thought that there was a couple plays in coverage where, you know, little off the mark and, you know, a couple times where just the ball didn't go his way, but maybe he got beat. Uh, but the one play where uh, he did have an interception, it was, it was similar. I thought it was a really bad throw by Josh Allen on the play, uh, as opposed to the other throw where I feel like Allen was throwing to a spot that Trent Sherfield just didn't get. And that's why Kyrie Elam picked it off. This one was a little bit different. I felt like Allen was kind of throwing like a, like back across his body on the run, looking for Gabe Davis. And that's a tough assignment. And, you know, Dane Jackson was in the right play place at the right time. He made the play, made the interception. But again, we know what Dane Jackson is. He's pretty reliable, um, high floor, maybe, uh, you know, a much lower ceiling than what I think Elam can be eventually, but a, a nice day for Dane Jackson. I feel like he's, he's doing what he does. Yeah, and that's just it. I mean, he he puts on solid tape, makes plays here and there, and it's what the coaching staff loves about him. He's kind of steady. Uh, it's not uh, boomer bust, so to speak, when it comes to Dane Jackson. You know exactly what you're going to get, and, and there's a reason why coaches like players like that on the field because whether you're talking offense or defense, Matt, you're not going to have 11 superstars. You need steady play in some spots where – uh, you know you might, he might get targeted a lot more than the Trey Whites of the world, but he keeps things in front of him. He tackles well, and we talked about that versus pre-neck injury, post-neck injury, how he was one of the best tackling cornerbacks, and maybe he returns to form there. So it, it's going to be something interesting to monitor at the end of the day with that cornerback two competition because you have the high upside of the Kyrie Elums uh, of the world. And, you know, we like all the talent, but there's a reason why he struggled to get onto this field with this Bills team. We we like the Christian Benford, uh, you know, uh, type of play and, and the knowledge of the system, but he's a young guy. Are there going to be some highs and lows? Most likely. Dane Jackson, just that steady, uh, reliable guy that you know exactly what you're going to get from him when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. Uh, sometimes players like that will, will get the edge over the, the highs and lows, so to speak. We want to give you the edge on the Shop Buffalo Bills football podcast, and that's why you should head over to Tops and check out their world of burgers, which is yours to explore. Over 30 ready-to-grill burgers right now. With over 30 burgers ready to grill, Tops is the place to pick out the juiciest, most delicious burgers in town. From beef and turkey to chicken and veggie, you'll find something for everyone. Taste the flavors of the world with unique toppings and twists on the classic burger. Tops World of Burgers is yours to explore. And Ryan... I was checking this out over on the website. Not only do they have all these different kinds of meats, right? They got the sale going on, but they have like a million recipes for burgers and different ways to make them. It's a super cool thing going on over at Tops. Yeah, they, they have a lot of different uh, recipes, a lot of different options for you. Stop into your nearest Tops as soon as you can, Bill's Mafia. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's get into the offensive line for a moment. I know that there was a little bit of a panic button pushed yeah, on Tuesday after uh, a really strong day from the defensive line. I thought the offensive line, for the most part, responded. Uh, there were a couple kind of breakdowns today. They were moving some things around once again. David Edwards got a couple of periods at left guard, which allowed then to allowed the Bills then to run uh, Connor McGovern on the second team 
at center. We didn't see any Osiris Torrance at, on the first team today at right guard. And I'm, I'm interested to see what they do tomorrow, if they let him kind of go a little bit more on the first team. But I thought it was a little bit better than it was. There was a couple of breakdowns a couple of times, but we weren't sitting here talking about all of these crazy um, sacks. There was one moment uh, our good buddy uh, Pops Mafia mentions AJ Epinesa. He had um, a couple plays where I did think that he applied some good pressure, and then he had the uh, batted down pass the line of scrimmage. I, I feel like that's one area of Epinesa's game that probably doesn't get enough love. Like He's really active with his hands as a rusher. I feel like that's one part of his game that's always been pretty consistent. So it was, uh, you know, I thought a really competitive game up front, but I didn't feel like the defensive line had as much of an impact on the practice as on Tuesday. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, that goes to show you one day does not mean we should overreact to things when we see it. And as good as the D line was at the previous practice today, the offensive line uh, was there kind of with the same intensity, being able to match with that real quick on AJ Epinesa. You know, what's the one thing we always say, man, when the pads come on, we, we haven't seen him necessarily flash or make these plays to have him do that in camp and, and get off the edge really well and make some splash plays here and bat down a pass that bodes well for a player who quietly had six and a half sacks uh, one year ago, as for the O-line still mixing and matching, trying to figure out their, their best, uh, Five and with so much talent, especially on the interior there, I think that it's more than okay. And uh, as you said, no Osiris Torrance today. Maybe again, that's a stadium situation, uh, something fun to monitor because you know we both think that uh, he's had a pretty solid camp to date. Uh, question over here on Tommy Doyle. We talked about him a little bit um, a couple days ago. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, does he make the team? It's going to be tough. And I also think like coming off the the injury, you have a better chance of keeping a guy like that, a draft pick on your practice squad. Cause I don't know how many people now, if you, if, if somebody did their work on him in the draft and they really liked him and your offensive line stinks and you have some depth area spots, cutting him and opening that up, you might lose him to another team. But I just also don't know if Tommy Doyle still working his way back from that injury is somebody that you could trust in a spot where you might need to rely upon him. You know, you could say what you want about Questenberry, but it does feel like that there's a level of trust that the coaching staff has in him that he can at least handle himself out there. And, you know, Tommy Doyle was, I thought, playing decently in that game before he got hurt. But it's just like, uh, and then uh, John here is mentioning Nick Broker. I haven't noticed Nick Broker a ton, to be honest with you, in the teamwork. Which maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that maybe right. he's doing his, his his job. But I have also haven't seen him kind of ascend teams yet. And I'm and I've kind of been waiting for that. Like on that second team, we've seen mostly Ike Butker, mostly David Edwards. Um, so if if he can kind of start, you know, the the mini camp experience with Nick Broker at center did not work out. And I know they talked about that. You know, a couple of really bad snaps. But funny, Mitch Morse had a bad uh, snap today. One that went over. Uh, Josh Allen's head, which I'll throw that in there. But um, yeah, I think, I think the path to a roster spot is it's complicated for Doyle. Yeah, it gets tough. And and not just with the current players on the roster, Matt, you know, Questenberry, obviously they like for the guard tackle possibilities. They do have Brandon shell. They obviously have their starting tackles, but there's gonna be a lot of players that get cut around this league here in a few weeks. And there might be a veteran or two where the bills say, you know, he's not flashy, but he's reliable. He's someone we could bring in. Uh, I don't think they necessarily trade for someone uh, at, at this time of the year, but there's sometimes player for player swaps as well. I'm sure the Bills are always monitoring what other teams are are doing, uh, who could be the odd man out in a competition, who could be on 
uh, not just on the outside in terms of the starting job, but maybe not make another team's roster. And they monitor that. So it might not even be someone internally here on Buffalo taking uh, Tommy Doyle's roster spot. It could just be someone on one of these other 31 teams across the league. All right. I want to get to Gabe Davis here next before we get into the Q&A version. Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid, because I thought both of them were really solid today. And that's the thing with Davis. It's just like he makes a bunch of different plays and it's kind of becoming a little bit ho-hum in this setting for a guy that's had such a large role in the offense over the last couple of years. But he caught a touchdown pass. Um, I thought that he was perhaps maybe the most targeted guy in um, – teamwork over the court with the ones uh very reliable uh had a touchdown where he kind of slipped um you know it looked like uh Kyrie Elon was playing off and he got in between him and, and Micah Hyde and Allen just ripped in a nice pass and for a touchdown dur during red zone work but Davis has been outstanding and then in Dalton Kincaid again it's mm -hmm. just like he's so it doesn't look like a rookie and Josh Allen said one of the reasons for that today was because, you know, he just comes in and, you know, the way that he talks to the quarterbacks with the way that he kind of interacts with every, everybody, his personality has fit in really well. Nothing seems too big for him. And, and he plays like that. It doesn't feel like he's ever like, Oh man, I made a mistake. I got to go do this. It's just like, everything's kind of like next, next play up. And, you know, Alan has specifically mentioned his body language a few times, too, which I think is pretty telling in terms of how quickly uh, he's adapted to this team, this roster, this playbook, the system, you name it. And you're right. When a rookie is when we say ho-hum, it's not a bad thing. It's like he's just so solid every single practice that that bodes well for his production in season and what he could be in this offense. And, you know, Gabe Davis, I've had a lot of Bills fans asking me about uh, Davis in the subtext, in the chats here, uh, just in general. And, and he's had a really nice camp, a really strong summer to date. And, you know, he talked about the mental and physical hurdles of that ankle injury last year. And when you see him out here healthy and, and how good he is, you know, you can take those comments to the bank that he was being open and honest about it in terms of how that led to some struggles for him one year ago. So if Davis can stay healthy, I mean, he's another guy that I could see having 100 plus targets, Matt, being right in that 1000 yard range for receiving where he was at 800 something last year, seven touchdowns. He could be in for a career year as well. Uh, somebody in the comments asking about um, Alex Austin, and I actually wrote his name down quite a bit during the individual work. Uh, Isabella's touchdown during one-on-ones uh, -on was against Alex Austin. Uh, and then I thought Austin came back really nicely um, after a really bad rep against uh, Trent Sherfield, who just kind of like, I don't want to say worked him a little bit, but just like really got himself in a really good position. And then in the middle of that, he was working one-on-one -on -one against Justin Shorter, who's a big body guy. Austin had to get physical with him. And I wrote it down right here, pass breakup, work, got real handsy with him, real physical. And you have to do that against those bigger physical receivers. Ends up with a pass breakup in one-on-ones. That's one that I think he'll probably get on his iPad later today and be pretty excited about. Yeah. And, you know, again, broker, Alex Austin, these are guys that the Bills obviously liked enough to draft, but they're also at spots where the team has a lot of depth and talent. And, you know, sometimes when you're a Super Bowl contending team and have one of the best rosters in the league, you draft players specifically in mind late in the draft like that, that 
in your mind, are probably practice squad candidates. And I know that's not the same for every team in this league, but for Buffalo, they probably said, we want to get these two guys specifically um, where we're not guaranteed that if they go undrafted, obviously. But they have those aspirations that these are two players they could probably develop. And Austin playing in a multi-scheme defense with zone mixed in uh, could bode well for him in terms of his overall development. Um, let's get into some questions that uh, were sent in. Before we do, uh, our good buddy Phil Money uh, sent into the text line today uh, that his texts were coming through as he was driving and he had his phone plugged in. And so it was like Siri reads off the text on Apple CarPlay. And he said, if if you are a shout insider, you need to do that and have Siri read our text messages coming through. It is a hilarious experience. Yeah, something to try, Bills Mafia. We've had a few people with the uh, alerts that we get back as part of the text, and they kind of we joke back and forth with them. So, uh, but yeah, having Siri read our messages is not a bad idea. All right, here's one question that was sent in: How have the reps between Harris and Murray been split? Are the are they both getting looks with the second team, or are they working exclusively with a specific team? Um, I think that. Murray has gotten more reps with the second team than I would imagine, but he's been primarily, I think, on the third. But, man, has he been a uh, lay-in-the-boom kind of running back? I mean, when he hits somebody, you feel it, like watching on the sidelines. Like, he's so tough and physical. And I actually wrote in my notes, Murray trucks Saran Neal. <laughs> like, he really <laughs> did truck him. Like, it felt like that in the old-school Madden days when you could flick up the, the oh, right yeah. thumb stick. Hit and stick, just, yeah. Yeah, hit stick. Just put somebody uh, – put somebody uh, in the next week and every one of those runs, he's just so much bigger and more physical than you expect. I feel um, Harris has been working in with the ones he's been doing some stuff with the twos too. I thought he had the best run of the day today where he saw a hole kind of broke it, got up field and uh, you saw a little bit of the speed. I mean, if you watch him in new England and I feel like most bills fans have, there's more speed to his game that I think he gets credit for. Yeah, I mean, there was the one long run against the Bills a few years ago in that win game that he broke away from the entire defense and he showed off that speed. Uh, so in terms of the overall question, I mean, it's kind of, I think, how Bills fans would, would imagine shaking out Harris getting those reps with the ones and the twos. Uh, Harris being signed early in free agency because of his success over the past few years in short yardage situations one of if not the best running back in terms of converting in those short yardage situations being someone that you can count on around the goal line in his time in new england so uh, i think the bills kind of have that role figured out in their mind for him now while giving him a few regular reps between the 20s as well uh but james cook obviously we've talked about him a lot has established himself as that rb1 looking the part and then you know latavius murray is that ideal third running back that you want in a I don't want to say running back by committee because I think the rep counts are going to be very different this year between the top three backs but someone you want waiting in the wings that you know you can count on and rely on uh, to move the chains to pick up yards and you know I know I've regurgitated this stat a million times but he's rushed for 500 yards or more in every season of his career minus his rookie year he's someone that you can plug and play on an offense and he's going to do his job well um it is 301 on the dot we got a few more minutes uh any other questions ryan there that you saw i saw one on uh youtube we can get to we can get to the youtube one in a minute but i think you might also want to mention a little uh fiery moment between stefan diggs and micah Hyde. Ooh, we haven't talked yes about i'm glad you i'm glad you mentioned that before we got out of here um Diggs, uh, I don't know if he was watching uh, his brother's viral moment with Dak <laughs> Prescott, and he just wanted to get involved in the party a little bit. But there was one play, short pass to Diggs. 
turns up field, goes to run it. And as he was turning up field and go, kind of near the out of bounds, Micah Hyde gave him a pretty hard push out of bounds. He did not like that. He turned around and looked. I don't know if he knew it was Micah Hyde and maybe rethought things after the fact, but he turned around, threw the football in, in Hyde's direction. It didn't hit Hyde. And then I think Hyde turned around at one point and was like, wait, what's going on? And Jordan Poyer came in. A couple guys came in. It was it ended up being nothing, but it was a, a fiery moment there. And there hasn't been like a real fight yet. Like Cam Lewis yeah. got into it with somebody two days ago where somebody pushed, he pushed somebody's helmet and then Matt Barkley kind of went back at him, but it didn't like really materialize into anything. I'm waiting for that first big one at Cam. Maybe it'll happen tomorrow at the, at the Red Bull game. <laughs> maybe at the stadium or maybe that first uh, or second practice after the stadium where they've had all those emotions of all the Bills Mafia filling the, the stadium that are kind of hyped up after the fact. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it's coming here soon, Matt. Uh, from ZMAD over on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube over 350, hit that like button, subscribe to the ch- to the show as well. And the best way to get questions in is to text them to us. So become a Shout Buffalo Bills uh, insider uh, subscriber. And once you do that, you, to do that, all you have to do is text 716-528-6727. We get all of our uh, texts right directly to myself and Ryan. We reply on uh, via text and we bring them to the show as well. Um, good one here. Are you guys worried at all about Allen's turnovers this year? Or do you think second year Dorsey and healthy from the USCL will be fine? The rest of the production is always there as we know. Uh, I'll let you start this one off, Brian. No, I'm not too worried about the turnovers. And again, this is someone that's consistently thrown for 4,000 some yards, rushes for a couple hundred yards, uh, 40 plus touchdowns. You know, there's going to be some turnovers mixed in there because of the, the style that he plays, because of how heavy this team is in terms of passing the ball, balls getting batted, deflected, bouncing off of players. It happens sometimes. So, I'm not worried about it, and I know you're talking about in-season more than anything else, but I've had a lot of fans asking about uh, training camp and the turnovers, and in terms of the training camp portion of it, I think that at camp is the time to be aggressive, to try certain things out, to to know that it's okay to make those mistakes. Some of the turnovers we've seen there have been, one, outstanding defensive efforts, but two, it's the time to kind of work on those plays. But in terms of the grand scheme of things, no concern here just because of what he's, what you said in the question, the overall stat line, the production that you know you're going to get one way or the other. And I don't think he's going to be someone who um, is necessarily at the top of the league again this year in interceptions if his UCL is healthy all season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really, I, I don't, first of all, I don't think turnovers are indicative from year to year. Like, I think that this is a whole new season and there's a new personnel package. And I think the easy button potentially of Hardy and Kincaid changes what I feel like Josh Allen feels like he has to do as a passer. And and of course, like he has more weapons now and and perhaps a better running game, which I think changes the, the way that he plays the position anyway. But I also agree with you 100%, Ryan. Nothing that happens in the training camp setting is something that should be – then believe to be something that's going to affect things in the regular season. You do a lot of things to just see how it works in this setting. So no, I don't think that that's a big deal. A good question over on the text line from uh, Becky uh, uh, Meisenzal, who, by the way, happy birthday to Becky's daughter, Elizabeth. Shout out to her. We saw that. Uh, 
Yes, they came, they came out to one of our Wingnuts events. We got to meet them in person, take a picture. Uh, they're always uh, engaging in our content. And, of course, Becky, uh, now on the Shout Insider group, says they were at practice today. Sorry, I didn't see you. And noticed several high snaps, which we talked about earlier in the show. One went over Josh's head. That was the one from Mitch Morris. Were they switching centers in and out? We really couldn't tell. Thank you. So, yes, uh, Becky, they were switching centers. Uh, it was a day where they got to go with um, Connor McGovern on that second team. And I think even Ryan Bates, who's working a little bit more at center, that's that's something that I think that this is the perfect setting to work on all that thing. So when you can throw a guy into a situation, if maybe Mitch Morse gets hurt, they've had a bunch of time to just go through the experience of, uh, of snapping the ball, going through those shotgun snaps. I am a little bit surprised that we haven't seen um, – Mike Butker work in at center mm. quite yet. Yeah, but they have a lot of other options and maybe uh, Butker coming back from the injury. They want to just kind of ease him in, play at one role or, or one spot that being uh, guard, obviously before they put too much on his plate. Um, but yeah, swapping things out. We've seen over the past few years, Mitch Morris missed some time. He has a history of concussions. It's good to kind of work through it now to see if something were to happen, who do we feel confident coming in? Uh, after the fact or you know even long term looking down the road who could be the heir apparent perhaps as well um you don't have to look too far down the road uh to quench your thirst and get your savings right now at tops it's heating up for summer savings get five dollars of cool cash get one point for every one dollar you spend on the brand's uh, your favorite brands like Pepsi Mountain Dew Polar Gatorade Tim Hortons Red Bull Dunkin Donuts a bunch. Every 35 points is equal to $5 in cool cash. Ask your cashier to redeem your points for a coupon offer. Your next shopping trip. And this goes through September 2nd. Ryan, I think that's it. We're going to the stadium tomorrow, man. I can't wait. Cannot wait. Obviously, we'll start up in the press box, put our stuff down. But Bill's Mafia will be along the sidelines. At least that's where I intend to be, Matt. I'm assuming you as well. So, yeah, give us a shout out uh, if you see us. I've already had a few of our uh, subtext people our fans say that they're going to kind of uh, look for us at the stadium. Some Bana alumni mentioned it as well. So cannot wait to get to the stadium tomorrow to cover the practice, but also see some familiar faces and friends. All right, everybody. Enjoy your Thursday night. We'll be right back here tomorrow. And then again on Sunday, because we don't take any days off during training camp unless the bills are taking a day off. That's how we do it here on the podcast. Give us a uh, try two week free trial on the subtext 716-528-6727. You will not regret it. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, everybody.